0: Welcome to Educate This My name is Nate Hammond and this is the podcast For educators, teachers, coaches, mentors, trainers, guides and well students Which should be all of us We learn to teach and we teach to learn Educate This is thankful to be sponsored by training provider and TAE experts Qualify Now Check them out at qualifynow.com.au for all of your TAE questions and needs Alright, let's level up Okay, let's talk today about open-mindedness and its important relationship with education. And I'm going to be saying the term open-mindedness quite a bit, and it is a bit of a tongue twister, so forgive me if I fluff it. Notable researchers Christopher Peterson and Martin Seligman explained open-mindedness as the willingness to search actively for evidence against one's favoured beliefs, plans, or goals, and to weigh such evidence fairly. Malcolm Forbes said... Edu, you know, Forbes, right? Forbes magazine. Education's purpose is to replace an empty mind with an open one. Poet Anthem Fox said it a little differently. There are no empty minds, just closed ones. Therefore, education is not for the filling of empty minds, but for the creation and expansion of open ones. However, you want to illustrate it in your mind, it is pretty obvious that true education, that which aims to increase a person's growth and see them understand the world and those who occupy it, promotes open-mindedness. True education promotes open-mindedness. Before I go on to extol the virtues of an open mind, I should quickly throw in a quick caveat. That is that open-mindedness is not having your brain exposed to the elements and having your mind blown about here, there and everywhere with every change in the wind. It comes with the responsibility to judge wisely and act quickly when occasion calls. While generally speaking, open-mindedness is avoiding black and white, cut and dry answers and searching for understanding of different perspectives, I believe that there are things in this world that we can honestly see through historical lenses and common human values to be wrong and not worthy of our time. As Professor Walter Kochnig told students graduating Mount Holyoke College in Massachusetts back in 1940, for those of you who remember it, by all means, let's be open-minded, but not so open-minded that our brains drop out. You'll probably hear that quote attributed to, or you've read it, attributed to everyone from Carl Sagan to Richard Dawkins uh, to Groucho Marx, I think. But uh, it was said by Walter Kochnig, and what it means essentially is that an open mind is like a door, a door that you can open and shut. You can invite what you want and need to invite in and keep out, you should keep out, nefarious or ridiculous party crashes. Now we all like to understand or consider ourselves to be open-minded, right? We ask ten people if they are open-minded. I am sure most, if not all, will say, "Yeah, bro, that's me." But how close to the truth is that really? It is often the opposite of how we approach anything that disrupts our preferred narrative, as I've used that term before. I'm a pretty open-minded person, but how often have you heard that said? and had that that but added onto it. I'm a pretty open-minded person, but how often have you heard that. The truth is that we humans prefer searching out and finding info that helps to support our beliefs, even if we are doing it subconsciously. We do that consistently enough and those beliefs become what we consider to be facts. We keep accruing these so-called facts to bolster our preferred position. This is called my side bias and the counter is open-mindedness and an ability to think critically. My side bias, my side is in M-Y-S-I-D-E, but you condense my and side, put them together. My side bias isn't a reflection of education level, by the way. It affects anyone and everyone from all grades of intelligence. So, how can education be used to promote open-mindedness? And is there reciprocation? Can open-mindedness make us smarter? Let's start with answering that second question. Can open-mindedness make us smarter the short answer is yes and arguably more importantly wiser i'll share more benefits soon but to get us excited studies show that open-minded people are more objective in the judging of other people less prideful as they seek not to be right but to understand better better performers on ability tests better at resisting manipulation than closed-minded or my side bias affected people better able to identify misleading information, more able to avoid assumptions, better able to understand context and nuances and so avoid binary black and white thinking and better able to find empathy for people not of their inner demographic and so better understand the world and the varying economic situations, cultural differences and and commonalities, by the way, geographical challenges, religious dispositions, ethnicities, etc., The importance of open-mindedness cannot be overstated. So how do educators introduce, teach, and enhance open-mindedness in students? Well, it starts with ourselves. Here are three suggestions to improve our own open-mindedness. A, do the exact opposite of what we are inclined to do. Instead of only searching for information that supports our beliefs, look for the counter-arguments look for the contradictions to our beliefs b when we form an opinion and this is best done when that bud is still coming in but it can be done even when the opinion is in full bloom you just have to be a bit more humble we could write down any arguments that challenge our opinion and c from the mary t lathrap 1895 poem judge softly we find the now famous idiom before you judge a man walk a mile in his shoes I'm sure we've all heard that before. We can use that idea to enhance our ability to be open-minded. We can try walking someone else's path. Someone who has different beliefs than ourselves and we can see things from their perspective. Here are four ways that we can help promote open-mindedness in our students, our clients, our mentees, our children. 1. Promote cultural diversity. Encourage the hearing of different accents, different languages. If you don't have it in your immediate circle, you know, look for it in media. Encourage seeing, walking with, and interacting with people who, whether it's because of culture or even say artistic individuality, dress, think, or act differently to what someone is used to being around in their own community. Among other benefits, such as simply learning about other cultures, being around a variety of people helps a person avoid presupposing their ingrained values trump all others. The great philosopher Friedrich Nietzsche said, The surest way to corrupt a youth is to instruct him to hold in higher esteem those who think alike than those who think differently. 2. Challenge stereotypes. Differences are too often used as an excuse for discrimination. Differences can be encouraged to be placed ahead of commonalities when stereotypes, and generalization go beyond self-effacing fun. Three, pursue collaborative learning. When we engage in conversation and work with people of different cultures, with different ideologies, from different backgrounds to us, we can learn to value other perspectives, which is a vital step to learning from other perspectives. Four, promote constructive criticism. Now this is the one that I'm most excited to talk about and so I'll spend the most time with it. This is really important this is the greatest ally to open-mindedness what constructive criticism is not it is not an attack on the person it is not ad hominem it is not an opportunity to one up it is not pushing someone away it is not creating greater divides it is not calling someone a failure what constructive criticism is not it is not an attack on the person it is not an opportunity to one up It is not pushing someone away. It is not creating greater divides. It is not calling someone a failure. What constructive criticism is, is the opposite of what I just listed. It is the encouragement of the person. It is sharing space and levels. It is drawing someone closer. It is healing divides. It is helping someone to overcome failures and to succeed. I have a saying that I try to live by and admittedly I don't always follow my own advice but I try my best. It is, take it to mind, not to heart. You can quote me on that one. Take it to mind, not to heart. I have always been determined to avoid tick and flick training and assessment as I want my students to feel confident stepping into the field after graduating. So, at the beginning of any course, when I have fresh new faces and eager minds raring to go, I start by telling my students that we will be a class that isn't shy of constructive criticism. I say I will give it and I will actively encourage peer review. I will even have the students give me constructive feedback. At first, it hurts. Of course it does. We are only human. We have feelings. But if we are prepared for it, it gets easier and then eventually welcomed enthusiastically. So for example, after a student would lead a group exercise class as part of an assessment, we would then sit on the floor in a circle and everyone would give their thoughts, tips, criticisms, ideas for improvements, what they liked and might themselves employ, etc. The student being assessed was given instruction not to defend themselves. They were allowed to explain their thoughts behind doing something a certain way, but for the most part, all they could do was listen, taking it to mind, not to heart. I would say by doing that, they could then go away, think about things, throw off any critique that they didn't want to utilize, and use what they considered could help them to improve. So what are the benefits of constructive criticism? Well, here are just three. Benefit one, makes you better. I've heard it said that constructive criticism is like shining a spotlight on fixable issues and concerns so that's one way of looking at it in other words it helps you to see things more clearly which is great i would say it's more though like putting the concerns out in the sun see some people react very negatively to spotlights and immediately run back into the wings of the stage the sun feels natural and so should constructive criticism the sun not only sheds light but it feels good and is a great detoxification tool. So constructive criticism should feel like stepping out into the sunlight. Benefit 2. Strengthens connections. Constructive criticism done right shows a high level of care. When you feel that someone cares, it is easier to make a connection. This can be of great benefit to a workplace, a school, a club, a home, etc. Constructive criticism should be given only because you want someone to succeed. It feels right when it is given in a way that the criticizer is declaring, I don't want you to fail, rather than you are a failure. So if this is felt by the receiver, a union, a bond, and a stronger trusting relationship is formed. Speaking of trust, benefit three, it improves trustworthiness. In whatever space constructive criticism is accepted and is felt to be natural and productive part of the environment the people feel that they can be more open and honest and that those around them are being open and honest with them i remember when my now wife and i first decided to get married we asked each other what we thought would be important in our marriage we made a list and near the top was an ability to give and accept constructive criticism the first time i took that to task and answered honestly the question Does this look good on me? It didn't go as smoothly as I had hoped. And of course it worked both ways as criticism was directed towards me. However over time we have accepted and really found value in constructive criticism. It doesn't always fall softly um, and is not always taken in the best way but we have gotten so much better at it. We value each other's opinions and then make our own decisions after consideration. Compare that with recent constructive criticism that I directed towards a certain politician. I questioned aspects of a system, not the person involved, but the system. By their reaction, you would have thought that I had just stolen his Dalmatian puppies to make a fur coat. Constructive criticism that is accepted leads to transparency. In a classroom, that helps students to really understand the whys of questions, assignments, etc. In a workplace, it builds trust between peers and management. In general society, it helps build community and a sense of belonging, which in turn leads to more proactivity in sharing ideas, thoughts, concerns, and more. And in what world is that a bad thing? I'll finish with a quote attributed to ancient playwright Aristophanes. Open your mind. Before you open your mouth Thank you for listening today My name is Nate Hammond And this has been Educate This This episode has been proudly sponsored By Qualify Now The TAE specialists Get a hold of them Right now If you're keen on becoming a trainer If you want to get a certificate For in training and assessment To enhance your resume uh, To allow you to train people In a vocation These are the guys and girls to talk to Music have being provided by Dragon Chromatic and Anthem Fox.